0: Welcome to another episode of the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast. We are continuing our Tales and Tales, Animals and Games roundup this time. I am here with Chris Bell and we are going to uh, yeah start talking about some games since we haven't really played much since we last recorded. Uh, we're going to talk about games that you can find that might be good for your school or library over the course of the summer reading or just elsewhere in general. So Chris... Yes. Video games or board games or role-playing
1: games? Where are we starting today? I think we should start with video games because we did board games last time. We did some, yes. (laughs) Not even half, but we did some. That is true. We still have a table filled with games we want to talk about.
0: All right. So uh, let's do some video games. And, And if we're doing video games, I really want to start with one that we did on the stream. Ah, yes. Baba is you. Right. So... This is the one on your list that I know that I can probably describe better than you.
1: Probably. Uh, And up front, these games are games that either feature animal characters or are related animals in some way. This one is kind of loosely related to animals.
0: Right. Yes. It is probably, yeah. It's the most tenuous probably of all of them. But so in Baba Is You, um, you are, at least at the beginning of the game, a you, a sheep. Yes, you are Baba. Baba, you are Baba, and you are trying to solve puzzles. And so, as you're going through the game, uh, there—it's basically a word game where there are words on screen that you're trying to move into the right places in relation to the other words, and that uh, that to make it think. So it's like at the beginning, it might say Baba is you, Lava is hot, Flag is win, and yes. so if you go across Lava you melt. And so you would then be able to move maybe the hot away from lava is hot and even change it to maybe lava is you. And then you could move the lava to go and touch the flag.
1: Yes. So basically, yeah, you're, there are physical statements on the board that you get to mess with Mm -hmm. to change the system. So sometimes you are Baba. Sometimes you are a wall. Sometimes you are whatever you want to be. If you can get the words in the right places. So,
0: and I tell you what, if you're also doing like video game or game design class, this is particularly excellent for that because the statements that are on the board, I say on the board, that are on screen right there (laughs) for you are the same kinds of conditionals you would put into a real video
1: game. it's not expressed the same. Eventually, they do get that complicated. They start out this, but they do get more and more complicated as the game goes by. So, it's a neat puzzle game. Right. And so, it's neat because you could even
0: say baba is you and baba is win because you might have two is's and so you could make the baba be two things and so you just by being you you win yes Uh, and so it is and it gets more and more complicated oh yeah and it is a single player game that's the one fallback for it but we did it on the stream when we were doing the shush stream which we will hopefully get back to doing at some point also with that um the people who were watching were able to give us feedback and provide, you know, oh, no, try this or do that thing. And there was a couple of times they actually got there before us. <laughs> and I didn't at all get the feeling that Sam was cheating uh, because he was wrong <laughs> often enough that uh, it was obvious that he was not looking up answers. That's true. So.
1: Well, not at first. Not at first. Yeah. Uh, Until the anyway. frustration set in. So... Uh, Lots of
0: fun. Baba is You, I would give it all the stars or all the thumbs up.
1: Absolutely. So I'm going to shoot out a couple here real quick, because these are very simple games, but they are fun kind of games that you can play with people. Things like Goat Simulator, up to a four-player goat chaos open world game. that There is no plot. It is you are a goat, here is a world, break it.
0: Yeah, use your sticky tongue to attach to things or whatever, and and do stuff.
1: Yep. There's a trampoline uh, and here's a rocket. Figure it out.
0: Um. So one quick warning on the, uh, at least on the base version of the goat simulator is that it's T-rated because there is uh, lots of violence that you're doing on people and even though it's not graphic bloody violence but there is also a, like a demon shrine and an angel shrine that you can find in game. So if you're like living in the deep south uh, You know, you may want to have a little care before using that. But otherwise, it is one of those games that we have kids come in and just mess around with. Like when they're waiting on other kids to show up and play video games, they're like, let's do Goat Simulator. And then three hours later, they're still doing Goat Simulator. Yes. So
1: Um, another simple kind of game, Ultimate Chicken Horse, which I don't think Donald knows about. I I am unfamiliar with Ultimate Chicken Horse. Please tell me about it. So uh, your four care, and uh, these. Games right here are very loosely tied to Tales and Tales. Mm. Just throwing that out I've got one to add to the list. Uh, Ultimate Chicken Horse is a four-player platformer. Your goal, get to the end. The trick, every single attempt, everyone gets to place down an object onto the map. Mm. It may be something that is helpful and that would like a uh, bridge, or it may be a saw trap. That everyone now has to deal with. And uh, you're kind of trying to finesse between making the level impossible enough that no one else will succeed, but possible enough that you will succeed. Nice. So, entertaining little game there. That's pretty cool. I'm going to add in one that I didn't hear you
0: mention earlier. The Angry Goose Game. Or, wait, what's it called? The Unnamed Goose Game?
1: Oh, no. I don't know what
0: the game is called. Uh, Untitled Goose Game. Untitled Goose Game. That's what it is. Is I I think the Untitled Goose Game was well, it's one that was sort of hit big time over the past year because people were at home and frustrated, <laughs> and it's also theoretically single player though you can couch it pretty easily, uh, where everyone's telling you what to do, and as an Untitled Goose, your job is to wander around and be a menace to as many people as possible, and you've got a objective like oh you have to do this do this to get the farmer to do the things that you can steal the keys or get through the other gate or what have you mm-hmm. and you get to honk a lot uh and mess with people and so it's just
1: proves just how big a jerk geese are yes that that is the whole point of the game yes i think the developer was attacked by a goose and he had to make the game oh i'm going to go on a quick
0: aside here and i'm going to tell all of our listeners we haven't mentioned it on this show I have it on board games. If you have not looked up The Great Flamingo Uprising, <laughs> um, it is a blog post that is well worth checking out. And I'm not going to say
1: why. Just go and look it up. Glorious. Uh, let's see. Some, uh, so here's some much more story-heavy games. Oh, I'm excellent. Up. Uh, one relatively recent game, The Last Guardian. Oh, yeah, yeah. You say re-
0: relatively recent, but it's been in development for like 15 years.
1: Yeah, but it came out. Yes, so relatively recently released. Mm. Um, in the game, uh, you play as a little child. It's a platformer uh, with a giant wolf-like guardian. It's supposed to be like a griffin, which part
0: wolf, griffin kind
1: of thingy, or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, so and so the giant guardian is helping the child through the platforming levels. Um, it's. I say story-based, but it's kind of that background story where it's not in your face. It's kind of adorable. It is. It's a very cute game. Um, Oh. I think it's a PlayStation exclusive. Uh,
0: But anyway, yeah, so check that one out. It definitely would fit within it. And is it two-player or
1: single-player? I
0: think it's single-player. See, these are the kinds of things that when you were researching could have gone in as notes on your little pad of paper there.
1: Most... 99% 99% of the story games are single player. Hate to break it to you. All
0: right. So let's talk real quick about a game that
1: was super popular
0: over the past year. And that is, I don't know, you're getting an island where you're basically slave labor to a raccoon and you're you're tra- trading for turnips. I can't remember. It was like Animal Crossing or something. <laughs> yeah, it was Animal Crossing.
1: Yes. Uh, so, All right. That a, smug face says a, everything. A lot of my
0: friends uh, got really into Animal Crossing and had a lot of fun with it. It was one of those comfort games that, oh, you're wandering around, you're doing your things. Building uh, your little island world. Yep. Uh, watching out for spiders. Apparently that was a big deal. Uh, <laughs> that uh, And trading for turnips. And so this is great for libraries. And as much as you can, hey, this is, if you've got a Switch with Animal Crossing on it, you can say, oh, this is the Switch library, the library island. And, you know, advertise your turnip prices on your library facebook group every day like oh today we've got this prize for our turnips or whatever Uh, keep people aware of upcoming events uh, have meetups in uh, animal crossing land all of that kind of thing and there's just a whole lot of content and a lot of streamers who played it and so forth so animal crossing is uh, super popular
1: and even though it's over a year old now it's not unpopular that is true um, let's see some other games here. Uh, one that Donald had me add that I'm very unfamiliar with. Right, right, right. Never Alone. So, in Never Alone is
0: unique in as much as it is, um, it was produced with a tribe. I'm going to look it up real quick because I don't want to mess up what I'm saying here, even though I will not be able to pronounce it. So, Never Alone, also known as Kisima... <sighs> <laughs> I can't... In... Each Yuna, uh, it's I am never alone is what it is or not alone. It's another puzzle platformer. All mm-hmm. right. And it was developed on a Inupak tale, which was, you know, it's historically known. You swap between an, a, one of the girls from the tribe and her Arctic fox companion to complete st- puzzles and stuff. Mm-hmm. The art style is amazing. Uh, That was done with a partnership between the the Cook Inlet uh, Tribal Council and E-Line Media. So this is sort of the very pinnacle of Tales and Tales. I want to pronounce them differently, but I know they're not. Um, Of (laughs) Tales and Tales, storytelling, animals, um, all of that kind of thing. So it's once again, it's not really multiplayer at all, but it is – just look it up. Even if you don't end up getting it, if you don't have – you know the systems that you can play it on, it's pretty darn amazing.
1: Is that exclusive to a system? I think it is not.
0: No, it's unavailable uh, on all of them. All right. Microsoft, uh, Windows, PlayStation. Right, and I'll go ahead and so. throw
1: it out there. If we haven't mentioned the games where it's available, it's because it is generally available. It's not an exclusive. Like Goat Simulator or Bob no exclusives. You can find it on your preferred platform. And I think that something
0: we, we just should touch quickly is that you know Minecraft has lots of animals in it um, I guess that is true and stuff <laughs> so we're not ignoring it it's just not so story
1: based so here's a neat one um, and it's neat for a specific character oh tell me moss Ooh, oh yes that's the one with the sign languaging mouse yes it is a PlayStation VR exclusive mm. um, in which one of the characters a mouse can't speak in well Language, a uh, human language, right, uh, so instead, it squeaks at you and uses sign language. Mm-hmm. If you don't know sign language, you can still generally get by with what it's saying to you. But if you do know sign language, there's a full narrative,
0: right. So and it's a neat character to be added to that. I remember seeing some of the early animations of the mouse doing the sign language, and I was like, that is so cool. I'm going to get that game. And guess what I didn't do?
1: Get the game get the game. <laughs> <laughs> do you but have I, a PlayStation VR? <laughs> I do not. <laughs> Well, I thought we'd have it here by now. And an interesting thing Donald did note, um, the mouse does have four fingers because it doesn't work with three. <laughs> yeah, sign language <laughs> might be tough. I don't know, though, because I'm not a, a signer. Uh, well, I mean, the character does actually have four fingers, which I thought was kind of funny. Yes. Um, so that's a neat uh, story-based game that heavily features a very interesting character. Right, right. And so, so, so adorable. Um. And I guess I'll kind of throw out some of these last ones here, because these are not much needs to be said about them, but things like the Sonic series, Mm -hmm. um, Zoo Tycoon, Mm -hmm. it's a tycoon series about, well, zoos. Um, Things like uh, Crash Bandicoot, uh, which are still being released, at least redoings of them are. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, Donkey Kong. So... There are some generic games out there that features animals. And so also something that, that you might look at is,
0: you know, there have been a whole bunch of Naruto games. Most of them are just fight simulators, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, well, the Tail Fox is a huge part of that, you know, the mythos around a lot of anime, honestly. You could probably justify that. Well, no, I'm just saying is that you can look into your anime-based games, something that, that we don't have a lot of depth of knowledge in. You, you more than me, but me almost not at all that it's definitely worth sort of looking into whatever it is you're excited about and seeing what you can pull out. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, it's like I'm playing Valheim and, oh, the first thing you fight is a giant deer. I can't really justify that still as being a part of all of this, even though you spend a lot of your time hunting animals. Probably not the story (laughs) that they want for this. You know, So Monster Hunter World may not be the most appropriate. Oh, one other one I'd recommend is maybe Deer God though I don't know what the rating on that one is. I'm not sure. You know, Um, but there's a whole lot. There's also my little pony games and, and other things and stuff like that. So speaking, are we done with video games?
1: I think so. Um,
0: We'll keep looking and we'll check out our steam libraries and our other accounts and see what else we can find to bring in a future episode of this. But since I did just accidentally invoke My Little Pony, <laughs> uh, we're going to shoot straight over to role-playing games, and no
1: one can stop us. <laughs> that is accurate, unfortunately.
0: All right. So uh, there is the uh, My Little Pony Tales of Equestria, the storytelling game, which is a you know, relatively rich role-playing game system with all the different shapes of dice and a cool little templates that you have for your characters. It's like, are you a unicorn or are you a winged horse or whatever? Uh, you'll put your cutie mark on your character and you'll have sort of a defining personality trait and so mine was I'm a helper
1: I don't remember which it's also so had a,
0: a sometimes as help, helping is not helping so that is how my character was rarely the driver of any given scene uh, but whenever somebody was having a thing or doing a trouble or looked like something was about to go wrong my character would show up and
1: either help it not go wrong or help it go
0: really wrong
1: <laughs> yeah um it is surprisingly the character design is well done for helping players get a focused character really
0: right i will probably put uh pictures of our character sheets that some of us did into the episode or i'll Mm -hmm. link to my google doc that has them
1: so yeah um while it is aimed towards kids it is still a very robust role-playing game. Right. This story, it's weird because the
0: stories are aimed towards kids. Oh, yeah. The system is not necessarily designed to be super accessible to kids, unlike some of the other role-playing games that we it might be talking about. It
1: is surprisingly advanced. Yeah.
0: So not super difficult at all for us veteran role players or for you who listens to this show, but don't think like, uh, no thank you evil that you could maybe hand it to somebody and they could easily jump in and run it. Um, they would need to do a lot of lot more reading, I think.
1: Yeah, there's quite a bit of prep time required. This is a game that expects um, a well-versed player to be running the game mm-hmm. for newer players.
0: Now that said, the introductory scenario was super streamlined and fast. Um, so if you're familiar with role playing games at all, you could jump in without a whole lot of prep. Absolutely, but what Chris said is correct. If you've never played a role playing game, there's going to be more reading than a novice is necessarily going to be looking for. Um, but yeah, I recommend this highly. And it's if nothing else, it is one of those things that helps show that gaming is more of a gender neutral thing, uh, mm-hmm. and you know it's not all you know people beating people up or whatever. It's It's nice to have a variety of role-playing games for all types of people. And when we got this game, it was surprising to see how many of the guys in the group said, I'm a brony. And (laughs) it's like, well, since you're 12, that's not creepy um, (laughs) at all. And since then, I actually, I've watched some episodes of it. And I go, okay, I can see why this is good. It's not necessarily a thing I will seek out. (laughs) But I can go, yes, this is high-quality stuff. And I watched, oh, there's a Toys That Made Us thing episode on my little pony that i might not have watched before but because this game was so good you decided to give it a watch i, I did and it was pretty amazing to see what they had to go through <laughs> for the my little pony stuff so i'm talking about all kinds of things but that's where we are in this um so do we want to do another role-playing game now or do we want to talk about one of these other fancy board games we have
1: well uh, if we have any more role-playing games Let's go ahead and finish those off because I think we just have one more.
0: Mm. At
1: okay, least well, in front th- of us right now. I think Adventure Maximus
0: is one that we have to mention because when you're creating your character, it's entirely possible that you'll end up with like a lizard man or a bull man or something like that. And a lot of role playing games let you play beast creatures.
1: I guess yeah, that's kind of a segue in and of itself that most role playing games. I mean, even down to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, even Pathfinder to an extent, oh, stuff D&D like that. D&D now more than ever. They yeah, want you, to you play whatever you want. Very rarely are humans the main focus. Right, right, right. Um, a lot of games. But Adventure Maximus does do this quite a bit, and that you can be very much characters that you would not expect right. in a role-playing game.
0: And Adventure Maximus is designed that, especially if they played one scenario, mm-hmm. that just about any kid can take their, oh, this is how the pieces go together and how you play this game. Oh, yeah. And I am just super impressed by the way that Adventure Maximus has
1: put stuff together. and Very simply designed. Yes. Um, and not in a bad way. I mean, in a very good way.
0: The pieces are a little more fiddly just because the rules are so streamlined, but it works great.
1: It works for what it's doing. It that's does, for sure. Uh,
0: there's another one. We, oh, you know, we don't really know enough about No Thank You Evil, but I will put it out there as a, another children's role-playing game that we'll talk about later when we do know. But that is very much a children's geared game.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, since we started with sheep, (laughs) with Baba is You, let's talk about sheep.
1: And we are back on board games now. We are back on board games now. (laughs) Battle sheep sheep. flock to greener pastures. I don't know if that's part of the title or just the tagline. It's a
0: subtitle of some sort, so we'll go (laughs) with it. All right. Absolutely no story in this, (laughs) but. The story is how one player beats the other. So and battle Sheep is from blue orange games who they sold a game to like Hasbro like seven years ago and got a ton of money out of it and have put it more and more cool games out because of it. So hurry blue orange games <laughs> battle Sheep, You have these big round, heavy discs that are like poker chips. The problem is, is they're too smooth um, to stack as much as you would like, as well as you would like. You have stacks of them on your board Everybody has assembled their board by saying, oh, here's my tile. I'm placing it here and orienting to the other pieces. You are moving your stack, picking up part of your stack and moving it, leaving at least one piece behind. And you're trying to cover up as many spaces on the board as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. And that means you're going to be trying to cut other people off, blocking so that they can't, uh, move to those spaces and you know hopefully i can pin in chris so that he has a whole bunch of his unused tiles in this little area and can't get out and it's pretty neat it's kind of like the reverse of hey that's my fish where you're going around and trying to pick up all the fish mm-hmm. um, which was another th- game we should have talked about is hey that's my fish uh, that, i don't know that one. So. Oh, okay well <laughs> we'll discuss it after this one But in this one, you're literally just trying to fill the board up with your sheep and keep the other people from doing it.
1: It's first person to either take a majority of the board or to force the board into a state where the other player can't ever win. Right. And
0: yeah, so at some point after everybody can't move anymore, you're going to count up how many places that you have. And Mm -hmm. generally the person who is still moving at the end is the one who's going to have the most pieces. Absolutely. So battle sheep is great. Uh, recommend it. When we first opened up and we didn't have any video games here, it was the ultra popular game that a lot of people like to play. So I can't wait to get it back out. Or wait, and it is out there so people can check it out um, from the library. So that's great. But, so, hey, that's my fish. You've got a whole bunch of tiles, and the tiles are making up the board. When you, uh, you lay them all out in sort of a regular giant hexagon made out of these smaller hexagons, Okay. Um, there's like between one and three fish, maybe more, on each of the tiles. You have a set of penguins. Okay. And you start with your depending on how many players there are. If there's just two of you, you each have like three or four penguins. The more players, the fewer penguins that you have. And you are trying to move. And whenever you move, you pick up the space that you moved from, and that becomes added to your score. So slowly, this whole island of ice is breaking apart as the penguins are running around trying to grab the fish off of the different locations. And then when they move off of that spot, they get the fish. they get that for their score. And so everybody feels like they're in the game until they no longer can move their pieces, you know, because there's generally a, Oh, which one do I want to make the move first? If I don't move this guy now, even though I want to move the other one to get the better fish. But if I don't move this one, Chris is going to pin me in. and I'm going to lose the ability to move them at all.
1: Right, because I'm assuming you can't go over spaces that have been taken. You can't go over empty spaces. You can't go past other penguins.
0: Gotcha. And, you know, it is a lot of fun (laughs) and also super popular. I don't even know if we have one at this branch, but we did at the other ones. If not, we need to get it. It's so popular that at least two, maybe three companies have put out versions of it. And I think there was a Russian knockoff version of it (laughs) uh, at one point. And so, yeah, Hey, That's My Fish, 100%. I know there are digital versions of it someplace. Uh, Check that thing out. All right, well, I picked a couple of games. So, Chris, your turn.
1: Um, Well, I'm going to talk about a game that is based off of another game. Animals are added, and in my opinion, this is almost a better version than the original game.
0: Oh, it is a better version.
1: My Little Scythe. (laughs) Um. Which is based off of the board game Scythe. Uh, It is a simplified version of the game, and it is better for it. (laughs) That is my greatest opinion. But all of the factions have been replaced with animal versions. It is supposed Mm -hmm. to be a very child-friendly version of the game, I guess is the best way to put it. It's very cutesy. It's, um, it's a very gamerly
0: game still, but it's been adorned with uh,
1: it is cartoony stuff. The thing is, scythe is such a complicated game that once they trimmed off all the pieces to make it a easier game, it was still it still leaves you with a very complex game. So yeah, the thing about scythe is the
0: rules, the base rules, very simple. Mm-hmm. Even more so with my little scythe, but the way that it's implemented and all the additional words that you have to know and all the different conditions that you have to follow through the course of the original scythe game basically you've got um various levels of troops your biggest level of troop is like a giant mech uh, who's going to be moving your other guys around the board to accomplish things like mining or whatever um you've got basically mechs heroes and workers yeah and um I don't remember how all of those transfer to My Little Scythe, but I do remember playing My Little Scythe and going, I wish the original game was more like this.
1: Yeah. In my opinion, in the original game's issue, it felt like there were three games taped together. Hmm. This does away with a lot of the extras. It's a very fun game. Um, it comes packaged fairly well, then it makes it relatively easy to put back away.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, it's got one of the Stonemaier's excellent inserts. Absolutely. So it works it's, very well that way.
1: Yeah. Um, It's still a decently long game. You're looking at like 45 minutes an hour at least on a game.
0: I can't see what it says on the side.
1: I'm thinking from experience at this point. Uh, It still takes a while to play the game. Um, But it is a lot of fun, and it is simple enough that you can get away with playing it with relatively inexperienced board gamers, though I would suggest um, not probably an introductory style board game.
0: All right, so the box says, would you care to guess what the box says? I'm
1: going to say 30 minutes.
0: 45 minutes. No. Ages 8 and up. Hmm. I think ages 8 and up is a little ambitious. Yeah. Unless you have a 8-year-old who's played a lot of games.
1: Like I said, there is still a complicated game here. Uh, there's still a lot going on in a turn.
0: And it says 1 to 6 players. And you know if something hits this <laughs> 1 to 6 player count, they're lying. Uh, this is a 4-player game. Right. Best with four, not horrible with three. Yeah.
1: Uh but a fun game and everything is animals, so Right. And the
0: basically is the animals are the different factions. So you've got like the Warthog faction, the wolf faction, the duck faction. I don't know. Um tiger. I see a tiger. Yeah. So uh but and they are supposed to represent what were the different governments in the previous version. Mm-hmm. And the original scythe was so beautiful because it's based on uh, that art by that artist who put giant mechs
1: in everything. Yeah,
0: you know. So, really so,
1: nice. um, so here's some loosely based tales and tales, um, and they're almost close enough to talk about at the same time, but not quite. Uh-huh. You've got Mysterium, and you've got Dixit. Right. Yeah,
0: and Mysterium has nothing to do with the topic at hand, but. Uh, we can't talk about Dixit without talking about Mysterium. So that is true. Uh, let's do uh, let's do Dixit, I guess.
1: All right. Um kind of the the core of Dixit are these very artistic cards. Mhm. Um just I don't know if it was one artist or a variety of artists, but they're very I don't what's the word? surrealist art pieces. Sure. I'm okay. At this point, I'm starting yeah, to confuse right. it with Mysterium. Hold on, I got to take a look at the board. <laughs>
0: All right. So basically, with Dixit, basically when you're playing Dixit, uh, one of the guys is going to give a clue based on what they the the card that they're going to be playing. Everybody else is trying to throw cards in that are going to bleed off votes. Everybody is trying to guess the vote that the guy gave or the or the clue that the the person who's active player is going to give. And if everybody gets it, that's not good because you're too obvious. Mm-hmm. So some of you get it. Some of the people get it. Like if Chris said, Alice in Wonderland is what he used as his clue, or he reenacted the tea party or whatever it was. And everybody guessed what his card was. Well, then his, his clue was too on the nose mm-hmm. and there was no mystery, mystery to it. And then it's a, it's a point chase to figure out.
1: Yep. So I mean, the cards are very tale esque
0: Yes. That's a great way of putting it.
1: Um, so Sur- a little surreal, a little, um, abstract. very much a, Kind of based on stories style. Think children's book stories. Yep. And so, yeah, it's like Donald said. Someone gives out a thing. Once upon a time, there was a castle. Right. Well, that might be vague enough that everyone has a castle in their hand, and they chuck it out. Or, or But I might throw out a dragon, because, you know, there's always a dragon in a castle story. There is. So... Yeah, you're trying to get the vote spread around. I think is the main way to do it. You want
0: you want some people to get it, but not everybody. And that, so one of the things is you can play Dixit in a variety of ways. I've heard of people, and I would never do this because I'm bad at this. <laughs> um, you could do it with everybody sings a, a verse to a song uh, or a line to a song. You could do it with quotes from a book. You mm-hmm. could do it from um, all kinds of, of ways. Yeah,
1: on the back of the uh, box here, they say it's a once upon a time. Yeah. Da 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 da, and that's kind of the clue is that they're giving, which I think would be a neat way to do it and still keep it story themed, right? Um, so the reason we mentioned Mysterium when we mentioned Dixit is it's got a very similar mechanic in these cards, sort of. Yeah. Um. So Mysterium
0: is basically there's a ghost who was murdered and is trying to convince you who it is and basically each person has a different suspect that they're going to be responsible for. And so Chris might have the chef, and I might have the postman, and there's various elements on this, and the ghost is trying to give us all the right clues based on the cards to get us to guess that person, Mm -hmm. or to, actually, we're not even to the person yet, like, oh, what room did it take place in? Um, What uh, item did the guy use to kill with? And so forth to try and narrow down who the person was. Right. And then at the end, They're going to say, well, these are, you're right, these are all the people that we are suspecting of being the criminal out of all the possible choices, Mm -hmm. and then going to throw down some clues to make everybody guess the exact right person.
1: Right, and the trick is the clues are these, honestly, Dixit-style cards. Uh, They are art cards, and they almost never in any way relate to the actual depiction of say a room but if i get four cards with green on them i might be looking at that card that's got a green lamp in the corner because right. apparently green is a really big thing but if all my stuff has a little mouse in it i might be looking at the cart you know the chef's table maybe they're trying to point me at food
0: and to keep it from getting
1: uh
0: overwhelming between each level when you're going from location to item basically all the clues you know person who they killed et etc etc um that you clear off your deck. So your previous clues don't matter once you figure yeah. out one clue and you go on. It's a neat thing. If you wanted to bring this in for tails and tails, you could easily just grab pictures with some complexity of it of any given animal. Heck, you could take Dixit picture cards that have animals in them and use those as the, as the animals for a Mysterium. Yes. By and large, I really don't think that this is such a thing. But Chris was so excited to talk about Mysterium <laughs> that uh, I said, yes, absolutely. Let's talk about Mysterium. I'll talk about it whenever you want. It's a fun game. It is a fun game. Um, and so
1: so there's that. All right. Uh, In the vein of games that are only vaguely related to animals. <laughs> what? Um But this one is highly related to tales, as in story tales, Ah. before there were stars. So, and it does have a fox in the box, so... That's about as much animal as you're going to get unless you force
0: the stories. It is not, actually. A lot of the clue cards or a lot of the elements that you have to build into your stories are elements for animals. Like, one of mine was all about specific animals. Okay, it can be. That is true. So, before we talk about before (laughs) there were stars... I need to see the box because I don't remember enough about it to talk wisely. I know I love the game, but okay. So in before there were stars, you're going to do four chapters where the first time you're going to play out two cards from your hands and you're going to tell a story about the beginning. Right. And in the beginning, it might be how the universe was born, or whatever it was that you're going to begin your story with. We have done it ultra cosmic, where it was, you know, the gods creating the universe, or, or you know, before they mother spider, mother spider did this, or what have you. Exactly. Um, and then you do the dawn of civilization, where you tell the tale of the story of of the things that are occurring, uh, like the founding of Rome with the wolves or the, whatever it is. And before that, you're also going to pull back in one of the cards from the previous section. So you're Mm -hmm. you're carrying through on an element that you previously put in. And then the next section is going to be a great hero. So you're going to tell one of the heroic tales like um, maybe the first one was Prometheus and then later was Hercules. Right. Just picking a myth that I know way too much about. (laughs) Um, And then the end of days, which would be possibly here's how the world is going to end. We've also done it instead of necessarily being the end of everything it might be, "Oh, and here's how that civilization fell, or here's how you know what we have to look forward and fight against in the future. Whatever it is, you tell that story. Now, the way that you get to pick your cards that you're playing is that there's dice that you roll, and it'll sell you based you get to pick those particular things. And then there's also voting later where you're giving out people um votes everybody's bag is passed around and little color gems are put in to say how well they how well you thought they did everybody's going to get a gem from everyone um so it's not like oh this person didn't get any gems maybe they're not as many points but you know it's not like there's going to be um a lack of votes being handed out at least mm-hmm. and then at the end you can hand out tokens for i thought you did so good because of all this and you know, everybody, you should really try and make sure everybody gets something that somebody appreciates. Just, you know, especially when you're playing with kids, it makes it feel like, oh, I thought it was really creative when you said this particular thing. Because it's rare that anybody
1: is going to tell four stories and all of them are going to be completely valueless. <laughs> yes, yeah. but I mean, it's, it's a great story for kind of setting up a story. for. Mm-hmm. It, there's enough framework there that generally anyone's going to have a decent time telling this almost cosmic level story. Right. right? This uh, legends is really what it's trying to be. Indeed. And you could do that if you were setting
0: up a role-playing game campaign and you were like, oh, we're just going to do whatever we can. You could take the Before There Were Stars framework, mm-hmm. play two or three games of it, pick the one that you like um, and have that be the background for the things or maybe the different races all had their different, uh, here's, here's my history of what happened.
1: Yes. So, yeah. I mean, it's another one of those uh, very, uh, you know, it's got the bones of a story and you're filling it out. Kind of, uh, and I cannot remember the name of the other game we talked about on the last podcast that was like that.
0: Right. Um, Untold, Untold Adventures. Untold Adventures Awake. Yep. So
1: that kind of idea. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, this one's a little more mechanics light. and It is. It's uh, very loose. Uh, we've played it with a variety of people, mm-hmm. some librarians who some may have never touched board games before, uh, some kids, uh, and just some folks who showed up to ShushCon when we last did that. Right. And the Smirk and Dagger Games
0: folks are excellent, and they donated copies to ShushCon for our workshops that we were talking about stuff on, mm-hmm. and uh, they donated this copy to the game. And I, we forgot to mention Battle Sheep was donated and I believe my little scythe was donated or we may have purchased that with friends money so I
1: have no idea on that one
0: if I can't remember it shouldn't matter <laughs> that's what I'm gonna say uh. Uh, but I know Battlesheep was donated because I would not even have looked at that most excellent game no
1: that was donated a long time ago
0: it was before the library opened I mean before. sort of as the library opened as yeah. this branch not not the library in general All Um. Right. Well, I think that uh, Rhino Hero is a game that we have to talk about. Yes. It's time to get up and move around. So we're going to probably wrap it up with Rhino Hero, and then we'll come back later with more. So uh, you've played Rhino Hero, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Rhino Hero is is a dexterity tower building out of cards game where you are
1: moving the Rhino up and down and around Mm -hmm. and trying not to make the whole thing collapse. Uh, basically, you are building a house of cards with folding cards, I guess. Um, and your goal is to get Rhino Hero basically as high up as you can without collapsing everything. Um, like Donald said, there are two versions of this game. I think there's a much bigger version. This is the smaller card style version. Um, you pull a
0: card and
1: it's you've got
0: cards and they are the different layers. And the layer that you play is going to have an impact on what the, you know, the next player does. Um, You know, like are they going to have to place two cards or move the rhino because there's a rhino face on it or what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, And the walls that go up don't actually have any effect on the game except for you're going to want them to be folded to the right amount to help you and not so so bright bent so that it helps someone else. And because you're stacking cards on top of cards and little wooden pieces moving around, uh, stuff is going to fall down.
1: Yes, it's, uh, you are building a house of cards as high as you can manage. Um, and basically, Rhino Hero, the Rhino Hero, needs to be at the top. Absolutely. Without collapsing it. Without collapsing it. And Which, yeah, you're I'm basically really just okay.
0: trying to not be the person who knocks it over. So this yes. is much like cockroach poker we talked about on a previous episode. There is one loser, and everybody else is not a loser. <laughs> yes. So that's
1: it. It is reverse Jenga. River. Yes, it is a lot like that.
0: Um, so anyway, let's, we're about 43 minutes in. Um, so let's wrap this up. All right. Once again, uh, thank you all for listening to this Tales and Tales edition of the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast brought to you by the Georgetown County Library System and Inverse Genius Media. You can head on over to Inverse Genius Media, or Inverse. Um, you can head on over to InverseGenius.com and check out the uh, information on myself and Chris and all the other shows that we have there. Uh, specifically, we have a new show that we've been putting out called The Inverse Genius Fortnightly in the Inverse Genius feed, where we talk about just stuff that we're excited about, you know, whether it's a video games, movies, uh, YouTube channels, podcasts, whatever it is, uh, we we give, you know, five to 10 minutes, 15 minutes worth of chatter about it. And it's, it's a lot of fun because it's us being mostly excited and occasionally me snarking about DC.
1: Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then
0: remembering that's not why we're doing the show. right. No, it's, it's, it is. It's only like twice have I gone, oh, wait a minute. We're not here to complain about things. <laughs> we're here to have fun. And so I try that. So anyway, I'm Donald Dennis. I'm Chris Bell. And thank you for listening. Games in Schools and Libraries is produced in association with the Georgetown County Library System.